Welcome to the latest episode of Red Devil Talk, the podcast. Today it's my privilege to say I'm joined by, in my opinion, one of Ireland's great sporting stars, the excellent Ken Darty. <laughs> Ken, I want to say thank you for your time as always. Ah, uh, pleasure, pleasure. Thanks always good much. to talk football. Thanks very much. I want to begin by talking about United. I suppose, broadly speaking, Ken, what have you made of their start to the season? Uh, a bit disappointed, to be honest. I mean, the Crystal Palace game was terrible. Uh, and of course, then the Tottenham game was even worse. But um, I think the last couple of games have sort of given a lot of hope to uh, a lot of United fans. You can see what he's trying to achieve. And um, it would have been great to get Sancho for sure uh, during that, that uh, transfer window. Uh, that was disappointing for, for uh, the, um, the fans, Manchester United fans, that they couldn't sort of seal the deal there. But a great win last night, I must say, against Paris Saint-Germain. And the way they played against Newcastle as well um, shows that, you know, they can, um, they've can they got the, the crux of a good team. Uh, it's just if, if all those players are foreign, I don't, I don't think they're as strong as Man City or Liverpool in all departments. But certainly in certain departments, they've got some great players. And um, I think he's, uh, I think they're going to... You know they'll they'll push the other two a little bit better than they did last year, but it's still not good enough. It's it's not the way we were. What we, what we've been used to under Alex Ferguson, that's for sure. Where do you stand on the future of Solskjaer? Obviously, recently Pochettino links have resurfaced mm. again. Yeah, Pochettino is a great manager, but look, I like Ali Solskjaer. You know, he's been a great hero for the club, uh, a great servant. He loves the club. He had to come in there and really revamp the whole team there because the, the team was very ageing. Uh, he had to bring a whole new sort of crux of new young players in. He's done that. I think Fernandes has been a, a, an inspirational signing. There's no doubt about that. Um, and some of the other signings, you know, I mean, he's got some great players. Rashford, I think, will improve and improve as, as things go along. I think Wan-Bissaka played great last night against Paris Saint-Germain. Uh, I think that, that some, you know, you can see what he's trying to achieve. Uh, it's going to take him a bit of time. Listen, don't forget, Klopp was there for four years before he built that team. You know, so Rome is not never, you can never get instant success. It has to be built for a bit of time. Even Alex Ferguson, when he was forcefully appointed, it took him a bit of time to, to build his team as well. So I'd like to see them still give Oli a bit of time. And, uh, you know, if he... If they have a really bad set or bad run of games and the team lose confidence in them, well, then maybe it's time to change. But at the moment, I don't see that confidence. I, I see the confidence in Oli uh, Solskjaer for sure. I think if the team didn't have confidence in Solskjaer, given the fact that we went 1-0 down after 90 seconds against Newcastle, I'm not sure we would have came back in the manner that we did, which I think was really positive to see. Oh, yeah, without a shadow of a doubt, you know. And... Uh, you know, I think uh, it's a happy team. You know, I'd like to see 
Pogba play a bit better, uh, for sure. I mean, Pogba is a world-class player, but under Mourinho, and certainly under certain times under Solskjaer, that he wasn't pulling his weight. Yeah, I'd like to see him really sort of uh, no-nonsense talk about other teams. I mean, talking about Real Madrid and stuff, I don't like to see that, you know. And uh, I'd like to see him really try as hard as he can for Man United because if if he if he can play at the top of his game, if you know, along with Bruno Fernandes, I like that Van Van de Beek as well. Uh, you know, they've they've really got a good midfielder, and uh, that's what I'd really love to see. And then really try and push these other the other big teams, the likes of Liverpool and and Tottenham and Manchester City and and even Arsenal, who are looking pretty good this year. I think for me, my view is that with this current team. Mm. I actually liked them, whereas under Mourinho towards the end, I kind I found it hard to even like them. I didn't really have yeah. a, I didn't really have a favorite player. I thought they were mm. down in tools in a lot of the games. But with this mm. team, I actually like what they're doing. I think Solskjaer yeah. deserves a lot of credit. Yeah. Is he the man to yeah. bring back the Premier League title? Maybe, well, maybe I, not. I, I, cer- I, I certainly hope so. I think he's. That's what I'm saying. I think he's improved the. The atmosphere in the dressing room, for sure, because the last few months on the Mourinho, the atmosphere must have been terrible. You could see that in the way in the performances. Uh, of course, even in Mourinho, in the conferences and stuff like that, you know, it was pretty. It's gone pretty bad. But Solskjaer has, has lifted them all again. He's brought that sort of mentality, that saves mentality to the team. And um, yeah, I think like you know, it was a bad start, but they've come back strong, and that's a good, really good sign for any team. We saw last night a uh, back three with two wing-backs from Clyde, Twanzebi, Lindelof, Luke Shaw on the left of that. I thought they did pretty well. Do you think the back three is something we'll see more of going forward? Yeah, I, li- I like that. I mean, I, I, I'd like to see wan improve, uh, you know, with crosses and getting to that boy line because I think he, he can definitely do that. I mean, his tackling skills are unbelievable. You know, I thought he had a great game last night. Uh, I know he flies in a little bit and you do get a bit nervous when he does uh, some of those tackles, particularly around the uh, penalty area. But um, Luke Shaw's improving, you know. I, I like this uh, Tellez. I thought Tellez was good. I thought his crossing was really good. He was very confident on the ball. He's skillful. So he could be a really good signing. Uh, but yeah, I, I like that. I like that system, you know. And I like Manchester United always had great wingers, you know. So with the wing backs and, of course, the speed up front, um, and a good centre forward who's going to give you a lot of goals. That's what we like to see. We like to see fast flowing football. And uh, when United are, you know, on the counter attack like that, they're they're very very uh, good. and very very tough to beat. And David De Gea, of course, back to his best. Mm. A number of great saves last night. Oh yeah, I was delighted for him because I, I know he's had a bit of a sort of a confidence, uh, you know, lull. Uh, and that can happen to any goalkeeper. It can any, happen to any sportsman because I know all about that in my sport. Uh, that when the confidence goes, it's hard to get it back. But so the only way you get it back is just keep walking away and getting some results. And he certainly kept United in the game last night. He was magnificent. So that will do him the world of good. You mentioned confidence in sport. And I want to ask you about the psychology sport shortly. But for mm. the minute, mm. I want to ask you about the World Championships just gone, if that's okay. Yeah. The last time we spoke, I asked you if you thought Ronnie Sullivan could win a world title for the sixth time. You said mm. that he could. You have been proved yeah. right. What did you make of his performance for the 17 I days? think he was he was magnificent. I, I thought he was absolutely brilliant. Uh, I thought at one stage um, he had sort of given up a little bit, you know, uh, uh, particularly against Selby in the semi-final. He sort of 
through through the dummy out of the pram a little bit. But in the flash of an instant and the flick of a switch, he got his mind back and he came out with three really special frames to beat Selby from 16-14 um, behind to win 17-16. And then once he got ahead of Wilson in the final, he was like a racehorse. So I thought he was brilliant, yeah. I thought he times with, the, with no crowd actually helped him a little bit because he's always under pressure with crowds and, uh, you know, sign in and pictures and stuff like that and he, he doesn't like that side of the game at all you know he likes to just be on his own do his own thing uh, and I think that sort of helped him uh, but he's on six now and, and then the big question is can he get to seven I still think he can get to seven uh, without a shadow of a doubt he, he's the, probably one of the fittest players on tour even though he's in his mid 40s and uh, you know if he can keep playing the way he played at the World Championship he can definitely get to seven and possibly even eight you just never know when O'Sullivan is questioned about records, the number seven, he always plays it down and he says he's uninterested. He played down the seven-time Masters achievement. Yeah. I still see him, you know, he punches the table when he runs out of position. That, to me, yeah. is not a man who's not interested in records. I still see a man who is thirsty. He's hungry. He's a winner, despite what he says. Yeah. Do you think these comments oh, yeah. are just a deflection process to take the pressure off? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I, I totally agree. I think uh, the only reason he's playing the game is for records, you know, and he enjoys it. You know, he, he enjoys winning and winners love winning and love picking up uh, trophies. Uh, and I think the uh, the record of seven will sort of really drive him on. And, um, you know, so he'd be undoubted and undisputed uh, the greatest player of all time. So I think that's what um, that's what will keep him going. And... Um, no matter what he says in the press or what he says elsewhere, he will he will definitely want to be striving for more trophies. What were your view on Mark Selby's comments when he said Ronnie Sullivan was being disrespectful? Uh, was he being disrespectful? I think uh, I think Mark Selby thought he he had him because, as I said, at one stage Ronnie looked like that he was smashing balls around and like he didn't want to be there. And Mark Selby thought, well, this is perfect. This is where, exactly where I want him. He's given up. And uh, it looked like that to me, that he'd, he'd totally given up. Uh, but then the next frame, he locks a long red in and makes a 130 break or something. Uh, and then he's back in, on track. So I think, um, yeah, sometimes it can be deemed disrespectful when you're smashing balls around. It's like you don't really care. Uh, but I think Max Selby is um, experienced enough that when a player does that, that you think this is the right place to have them. So... He, tried, he should have taken advantage of it. He, well, there's actually nothing he could really do about it, Max Selby. But he did get his chance in the last round to, to win 17-16 and, and just didn't take it. Uh, but it was a fantastic match. Both semi-finals of the World Championship were absolutely brilliant. Of course, you've just, been, you've just received an invitational tour card for the next two years. Mm. Do, you have any, yeah. do you have any goals? What are your targets? Yeah, I mean, I'd like to... Uh, well, I've got two years. I'm going to really try and... Uh, just make the most of them and uh, trying. I, I love playing. I love competing. It gets a bit harder, obviously, as you get a bit older. But I still love uh, the competition side. So I'm going to try and, you know, try and get back up uh, the rankings. Uh, try and cause a few upsets along the way. Yeah, no, I'm delighted to to still be back on the tour. And it's a two year card, so I'm going to try and do a bit more practice and try and see where it takes me. Uh, and uh, yeah just going to enjoy the competition I love I still love playing I love the competition I love being on the tour I'm going to keep keep playing as, uh, for these next two years but try and work a little bit harder and see see where it takes me Another appearance at the Crucible must be an ambition 
Yeah, absolutely. I'd love to. I mean, the last time I was there, I got down on the on the knees and and kissed the floor, you know, like like uh, the Pope used to do when he used to get off the plane. But I just uh, it meant so much to me just to play there. You know, it's a lot of special memories. And um, yeah, one more time at the Crucible would, would be a nice way to bow out. I think. Do you still put the hours in in practice? Are you still enjoying that side of it? Yeah, I still do. I mean, I still I still play about. You know, three, three and a bit hours a day, maybe some three to four hours a day. I'm playing, I'm staying a little bit more in, in the UK uh, over these, uh, you know, the, over this next season and maybe after that. So, and see where that, see where that, I'll be playing up at Ding's Academy and I'm playing at Victoria's Academy, playing with Jimmy White quite a bit as well, staying in London with him and practicing with him quite a bit, which is really good fun. Uh, so, hopefully, you know, that, it, that will, uh, that the hard work will, will pay off. I want to ask you about the psychology of snooker. I think mm. I think some sports lend themselves very naturally to psychology. I think the games where there's plenty of time to think, like snooker, where yeah. a simple miss and you're back in your chair, you can't impact the game like you can in other sports. From, yeah. a, from a mindset perspective, how do you manage that to ensure that when you do return to the table, you haven't talked yourself out of form? Uh, yeah, that's true. Uh, but I think uh, that's one of the great things about our sport that, you know, your mindset and your psychology comes really into effect, you know, about um, how positive you have to keep, even when your opponent is at the table and looks like he's quite dominating the game. Because it's one of the things about our sport is that there's nothing you can do when your opponent is at the table. It's not like it's not like other sports. Uh, and that's where that's why it's, it's one of the hardest games in the world for sure. So your psychology and your mindset has to be good at all times. And um, and the likes of when you're playing, the likes of Ronnie O'Sullivan and you're coming in, you know, and, you know, he's been so successful. You you have to have a positive mindset to say, well, look, when, when it's my chance, you know, I can I can make centuries. I do it in practice. I can do it on here. I've done it before. Uh, play the simple shots. Keep the, you know. Uh, keep the cue ball uh, nice and tight to your next ball and just try and do the simple things well. And uh, that's all part and parcel of the psychology. Uh, you have to sort of remember as well uh, good times, you know, good time, good matches that you've played. Sort of, so they have to spring to mind to, to help you ease your, your nerves and, and, uh, and also to give you that confidence that when you get a chance that you're going to take it. And that's all part and parcel of the game. But it's, it's a fascinating side of the game. I guess you just mentioned it there, uh, reminding yourself of the good times, kind of affirming your abilities regarding your skills. I know Muhammad mm. Ali always did that, but he did it publicly. He would always say, I'm, yeah. I'm the greatest. He would always say, but I suppose yeah. snooker players, that self-talk, if you like, is a private, yeah. private inner thing. Mm. Yeah, yeah, without a shadow of a doubt. I think uh, it's, it's very important. And... Uh, you have to keep telling yourself what you've done before, what you've done in practice, how well you've prepared, uh, how much you're enjoying the experience of the nerves as well. I always try and say to other players is that when the nerves come along, you've got to welcome the nerves, say, because this is what makes your adrenaline rush around your body. This is what gives you the buzz. It's like playing under pressure when you're a bit nervous. There's nothing better than, a, than winning a match um, when you're at your most nervous or the adrenaline is rushing around your body. That's what gives you the greatest buzz. So when the nerves come, you should welcome them and enjoy them. And uh, and hopefully that, that will help you 
uh, to play your best snooker. I read a sports psychology study on the English football team and why they're so weak at penalties. And mm. it, it implied that it was the weight. And if you listen to Stuart Pearce, Michael Owen, Stephen Gerrard, they all said that it was, it was the weight that killed them. Is that something you can relate to? Because in snooker, there is a lot of weight. Yeah, there's a lot of weight. Yeah, I think uh, that's what, that's why you have to be uh, patient. I mean, they always refer to snooker, some of the commentators over the years, it's like chess with balls, you know, and it is. You've got to be very patient. You've got to plot your way around the table. Uh, but when your opponent's at the table, you've just got to be patient and sit in that chair and wait for your chance. Uh, and that can be the hardest thing. You can be kept cold for a couple of frames, but you have to be, when your chance comes, you have to be ready. Um, and yes, uh, that is that is part and parcel of the game. It's tough, uh, but it's something that you sort of get used to uh, as a player over the years. And that, that comes from playing from the amateur days right up through the professional ranks. I want to know what lasts longer, the high of winning, if you like, or the hurt of losing. If you listen to a number of athletes, people mm. like Roy Keane, I've spoke to a couple of boxers, they say that the enjoyment yeah. is very brief because there is that mm. fear that drives them on and that fear lasts way longer than the euphoria of winning. Is, can you relate to that? Yeah, I think, uh, you know, some of the feats that you, you, you sort of never get over, you, know, you never get over, you know, uh, particularly ones that got away that you felt um, that you should have won. Like, they, they really hurt and can carry with you for a long, long time, you know? Uh, in fact, Roy Keane uh, sent me a text when I lost in the final uh, to the, in the Masters to Jimmy White when it was 4-0 up. I lost 5-4. He sent me a text saying, he said, listen, don't worry about it. He says, I remember losing when I was playing for Rockmill when I was 2-0 up and we lost 3-2. So that goes back to his days, even playing uh, as a young kid in Cork. So um, it sort of made me chuckle. But yes, the, 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 some of the defeats can be quite hurtful and you can take them with you for a long time. But however, some of your wins, you know, you can live on the rest of your life that you'll never forget them. You know, your World, world Championship wins... You know, even from the junior, amateur and senior, you know, you never forget those. Uh, and people will always remember. Yes, they will say, you know, people will sometimes stop. Oh, you, I remember where I was when I won the World Championship, when, when you won the World Championship in 97. But but remember when you missed that black for a 147? Uh, yeah, of course I bloody remember when I missed <laughs> the black for a one. Everybody keeps reminding me about it. But yeah, but I think as a, as a sports person, uh, when you've had the, the the ups and downs throughout your career, and everybody has had them, and some have been lucky enough to have a lot more ups than downs, you know, um, the likes of O'Sullivan, the likes of Hendry and stuff like Davis along the way. Um, I think you should reflect on on your career as a whole and, and the journey and what you have won, the highs. Uh, I mean, we, we've been so lucky. We play a game that we love. We took up as kids watching it on TV. We got little snooker tables at the end of our bunk beds, you know, on Christmas. And we've been still in love with the game since then. You know, I've been playing snooker since I was eight. You know, it's a long time. And even though I've had a lots of lows in the game, uh, I've had a few highs. And But it doesn't stop me still loving the game. You know, it doesn't stop me living and breathing uh, snooker and still loving it and loving the commentary even when I do that. 
that I'll always love it, and it's it's given me uh, a great a great life. Uh, I've met some great people. I've met I've been to some great places, and uh, I think overall, I think it, uh, you have to look at it uh, from the whole perspective and say, did you did did you enjoy it? And I, I certainly did. You know, you mentioned the games that get away, mm. the losses that are hard to get over. In terms mm. of resilience, and I suppose resilience in sport and overcoming those disappointing results what's the process for you with accepting defeat and moving on um i think you just have to there's nothing you can do about it it's gone you know you try and reflect on where you could have done better uh what what made you lose or why did you miss this or why did you play that particular shot sometimes it'll be just down to pressure sometimes we just down to you know being a bit of a lackadaisical uh, or taking your eye off the ball or whatever it might have been uh, some of it can be just down to pressure you know and, and nerves as I said so you just have to dust yourself off and, and just get on with it it's part and parcel of the game but once it's gone it, it you know you've got to try and even though they do stay with you you've got to try and put, you can't take it to your next match you've got to forget about it quickly get on with your next match and hopefully when you win that you know you push it further back in the, in, into the back of your mind in terms of when you're at the table, do you have any mm. techniques to deal with the pressure when the big moments come to maintain that clarity of thought when their heart rate increases, when their hands yeah, start sweating? Not really. I think just, uh, you know, good deep breaths uh, always lets a bit of pressure out, a bit of, bit of nervousness out, you know, and you take a big, big deep breath and exhale. Uh, and just positive thoughts, you know, like uh, you've got to keep the positive thoughts in your mind that when you come to the table that, this is your table and you're going to, uh, this is your time, you know, and you've prepared well, just simple little things like that. I guess you've put the hours in at this point, you just have to trust yourself. Mm. Yeah, absolutely, yeah. You have to trust your game, trust your technique uh, and trust your, your courage and your, your bottle, basically, you know. I want to conclude by asking some fan questions, if that's okay. There's about three or four. Of course. Yeah, no problem. This comes in from Joe Shannon in Longford. He's nine. Mm. <laughs> he says, I'm your biggest fan. What do you think yeah. of present day snooker or is the 90s where your heart lies? Uh, oh, well, I think, you know, the, the standard today is, is absolutely fantastic. You know, the guys uh, making so many big breaks, you know, uh, lots of centuries, 147s. I mean, we saw the century of centuries in a season when Neil Robertson and Judd Trump as well. Yeah, that's an incredible achievement. All the 147s that Ronnie has had, I think the 147 he made in 5 minutes 20 seconds was quite incredible, although that was in the 90s. Um, obviously, my love would be the 90s because, you know, I was playing a lot of the best players that, uh, you know, ever played the game. You know, the Williams, uh, Higgins, uh, Ronnie O'Sullivan, uh, Stephen Hendry, even Steve Davis and Jimmy White, who were still playing brilliant snooker in the 90s. Um, uh, and along the road there, you had the likes of, you know, Peter Ebden, who was still very, very tough to beat. Alan McManus, another one. Uh, so we still had some great players in the 90s. And I, I suppose because most of my success would have been around that time. Uh, so I have a lot of fond memories from there, without a shadow of a doubt. And of course, 1997 was the highlight of that. So, yeah, my, my heart would lie in the 90s, but the standard today is fantastic. Another one from Joe. He says, I heard in a documentary that you looked up to Alex Higgins. I am also a big fan of Alex. Can you give Joe mm. any insight 
with regard to what Alex was like? What was his company like? Uh, well, he was a great character, and he was sort of one of those that you didn't know what he was going to do next, you know. Uh, so you always, you always had you on the edge of your seat. Uh, but I got on really well with him. Uh, he knew I was his hero. The first time I met him, he asked me to get him a drink. I was working in Goffs, and um, he said to me, "If I ask you for an orange juice, that means a, a vodka and orange juice, you know. <laughs> and if I ask you for a vodka and orange juice, that means a double." So that was when he was playing. Uh, but he was a great character. Um, he used to pass on some good advice to me, and uh, I loved playing him. He was always a great crowd pleaser. He came out with some great shots. He was a real entertainer. And although he was a naughty boy as well at times, uh, I think he left a, a sort of an indelible mark on on the world of snooker, and uh, particularly for TB in the seventies when it became when it started to become really popular. I think he he did a great job, Alexi. I think he brought that X factor to snooker. Yes, without a doubt, yeah. Yeah, without a doubt. I mean, he was a, he was an entertainer. He pulled off some great shots. You know, he used to wear hats and fancy clothes and he could be crying or smiling. You didn't know, you know, you didn't know what to expect from him, but he was certainly a great entertainer. When I think of Alex Higgins, the shot I always think of is the blue into the green pocket. Uh, yes, absolutely, yeah. With side and the white check back. I mean, he was mm. he was a one-off. Yeah, he was a one-off, yeah. I mean, that break he made against Jimmy White was incredible. Uh, and, you know, he, he was just, he was a great entertainer. He knew about entertaining people and he did that with great uh, aplomb. And one more from Joe. He says, I practice every day. My highest break is 64. I'd love to be as good as you someday. What advice, mm. can, what advice can you give me? Well, if his break is 64 and he's only nine, uh, that's incredible standard. So, what I would say to Joe is, uh, you know, keep doing sort of your drills and practice drills. Try and work on your technique. Uh, try and get some coaching. If there's a, a coach or a guy who's played like on, you know, the uh, amateur circuit or international level, uh, try and get a coach and that can lend some good advice to you or some of the other players that play on the amateur level. Uh, and also try and play in competitions if you can. Uh, and try and play some better players than you so you will know how, how quick you're improving against the better players even if they beat you it doesn't matter uh, but you will always learn more from playing better players um, and of course competitions are great as well Ken you're a great sport I really appreciate that mm. my pleasure always good to talk football and a little bit of snooper as well you're a class act I'll chat to you soon come on United come on United any, any predictions for the season for United uh, well, I just hope they beat Chelsea uh, this weekend for a start. And uh, I'd love to see them have a good run in this uh, Champions League. I mean, that's a good start for them. So hopefully that will give them some good confidence now for the rest of the season. And uh, people talking about Cavani. I think Cavani can be uh, an inspirational song. I think he can be what Ibrahimovic did for a couple of years. Uh, he's a class act, you know, and... Uh, what they always say is form is temporary, but class is permanent. And hopefully we get to a game again soon. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that'd be great. Mind yourself. Okay, thanks, Jimmy. All the best. Gary Pallister calling for it. James can only fist it. It comes for Cantona! I don't believe it! Well, left by York. Fed by Cole. Back to Andy Cole. 